All right, welcome back to the waiting room with Dr. SEC. At this time, we're going to go back to the Net Talk Hotline and be joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Derek Leonard from the Dogcast. Welcome to the show, Derek. Oh, man, thanks, Peter. I tell you, I'm a whole lot more myth than, uh, <laughs> than legend or man, I think. But it's good to be on the show, buddy. Well, we know our listeners know absolutely my favorite podcast out there, sports-based. And uh, I believe y'all say that you're the original isn't that right? Yeah, we well, yeah, we absolutely are the original. I can promise you. When we started the Dogcast in 2005, most people uh, didn't even couldn't even spell podcast. It was kind of before <laughs> podcast was even a thing, you know. Absolutely, so, and the fact that you've been able to get Old Dog to uh, to to advance with the technology that's a miracle in itself. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know that's a work in progress at all times, <laughs> man. We're, we, as you know, we've been doing a lot of uh, what we like to call what we lovingly call throwback shows, yeah. which is basically two tin cans and a string, and uh, we're just doing the very best we can over there at the Dogcast. Absolutely. Well, I guess I guess if it's the original, it's kind of like movies. You know, they start trying to remake them and remake them, and sometimes they're okay, but nothing beats the original. And uh, we want to encourage all of our listeners to go over there before we get off, and we'll give them the ways to listen to the show. But let's start with the big game. I was on your show this past week, and, and I, I said that I thought that it was going to be a blowout, but I was just going to call it seven points because every time I call a blowout in favor of Georgia in a big game, they don't just not blow them out, they lose i.e. South Carolina and Florida. So yeah. I stayed away from the prediction just to protect the dog nation. But I've got to say, in the years of covering Georgia, it was far and away one of the most impressive all-around games I've seen. No doubt about it. It was very satisfying and very well-rounded, like you said. I, you know, um, I mean, really, the only real, I think, deficiency we had, we, we really didn't get as much production out of the passing game as I think we would have liked to make it a perfectly balanced, well-rounded game. We had some dropped balls throughout the game. Mason was putting the ball on the money, the running game. Uh, that one-two combination of Gurley and Chubb was very impressive. And I'm telling you, it was the defensive, this, just, I mean, Pruitt just painting his masterpiece. Painting his masterpiece. His second shot at Je Gus Malzahn since the national championship game last year. And, buddy, we had something for those guys this time around for sure. Absolutely, at that performance by that defense, I mean, I, I'm going to tell you, that's the part I'm in shock at. I thought they were going to slow down in the second half. I thought they were going to get some stops, win this game by a couple touchdowns. You know, I, I really thought they would slow them down in the second half. And when they came out and drove the way they did in that first drive, I thought, man, they're in for some trouble because uh, they're going to have to go toe for toe and they're going to have to get those stops in the second half. But they, they never surrendered any points again. And really, I mean, just when you consider Ole Miss is far and away the best defense I've seen in the country this year. Now, I, I know Kim Dietschy was out at linebacker in that game, and they were, you know, they've been through a gauntlet and all of that. But Auburn put up 35 points against a team that held, you know, Alabama to seven, held LSU to seven. The only time LSU scored that seven or ten, but only one touchdown. only time they scored that touchdown is when Kim Dietschy went out both Kimdichis went out. Pruitt was, was banged up. I mean, they have shut down every offense they played but Auburn. And now, <laughs> I never saw this kind of dominating defensive performance coming. 
Oh, Jeremy Pruitt, man, he he showed everyone the way. I mean, you know, the term we used to throw around was uh, getting exposed, you know. And uh, if you watch the message boards, the way Auburn fans are talking about it today, you know, they are – the Auburn fans want Mark Rick and Jeremy Pruitt to go away because we made them look silly. You talk about the Ole Miss defense and the other defenses that have – and what Ole Miss has done, no one has ever – held Gus Malzahn to less than 20 points since he's been with Auburn ever. No defense. And we didn't just hold them to less than 20. We held them to less than 10. We held them, we held them to a lot of things that no one had ever seen out of that Auburn offense. I mean, you look at their drive chart, Peter. It's touchdown, which looked shockingly easy on that opening drive. And then it's just punt, 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 pick, Punt, punt, fumble, punt, punt. I mean, it, it's amazing. It, it was amazing. And it goes back to our point. We've talked about it. I know I've heard you talk about it on your show, and we've talked about it on our show. It has solidified Coach Pruitt as the number one adjustment guy, in-game yeah. adjustments, since we've had Brian Van Gorder. No doubt about it. Brian Van Gorder's claim to fame, the in-game adjustment Pruitt definitely knows how to look at what a team is doing and make real material adjustments on the fly that work. Loved it. Loved every minute of it. Absolutely. And and really, I mean, the, the improvement fundamentally is what's really impressed me so much about this Georgia team. And and if you take away the Florida game, and, and again, let's just – I know you can't. I mean, everybody – Yeah, I, everybody, I, I wish we could take it away. You know – Everybody would love to take it away, but the reality is is that outside of that game, when Georgia had just went on two unbelievable long trips in the midst of an unbelievably emotional period, I mean, a letdown is, is I'm not going to say it's understandable, but you can see where it would come down in that game. But you take away that. You look at what they did at Missouri against a team that, say what you want to get out Missouri, they're not a bad team. I mean, they're, they're not a great team, but they're not a bad team. You go and look at Arkansas, and, and look what they did to Arkansas. And, and, of course, during that second half, you did see some of the fatigue starting to set in. But you look at all of that going on. This Georgia team right now with this Auburn game, they're, if you could take away that Florida game, they're playing pretty doggone good football. No doubt about it. They really are. And like you said, the fundamentals. Look at what we were able to do. Just look at our open field tackling. The discipline of a guy like Leonard Floyd. How about a great, how about the comeback of Leonard Floyd, man? He has, we have definitely gotten his attention with the Lorenzo Carter play. Leonard Floyd defending the run, setting edges, and, uh, you know, playing with some passion out there. And look at the, you know, him staying home, playing disciplined ball, and being ready for those, uh, Jet sweeps, and man, I'm telling you, we were making open field tackles. Our defensive backs are much closer, playing much tighter defense. You know, Auburn helped us with some drop balls in that second half. But man, everything about our defensive fundamentals and our positioning, even when we make mistakes, we're making mistakes at full speed, and we're close enough to recover really quickly. Absolutely, and I'm looking really forward because we've been saying it the whole time. (laughs) Uh, you know, the, the, the Atlantic Journal Constitution put out one of the most ignorant, uh, blogs or posts. I don't know what they wanted to call it. Hopefully they didn't put it in the paper that I had ever seen early in the year talking about 
how much better Grantham was doing in comparison to Pruitt. Well, first of all, you needed to look at the schedule Grantham was playing. Sure. And, second, and secondly, and I think more importantly, you got to look at guys that last year were coached by Charlie Strong that he took over in comparison to guys coached by Todd Grantham that Pruitt took over. And when you look at that and you understand that, that he's about to get his guys there. I mean, did you see the, the stack of recruits that were there? Oh, you, no, they, were, they were falling from the sky last night, but <laughs> it was recruiting central down there on that sideline. And the way that defense was playing and the way Pruitt was coaching them up, man, last night, I'm going to tell you, it meant more, not just like, not what it meant to our defense this year and today and tomorrow, but last night was a game changer for our defense next year, two years from now. Three years from now, those kids, those high school kids, seeing what Pruitt's doing in-game last night, I guarantee you they're thinking, I want to play for this guy. They know his pedigree. They know his background. And you can watch what he's doing there on the sideline, and you can say, this guy can get me. I mean, this guy's going somewhere. He can help me get my personal goals. If you're a high school kid, that's what you're thinking about, my personal goals, my goals as a team. Man, Pruitt made huge gains last night that are going to pay off for years to come. Yeah, and I said going into the game, I really felt like that this was a program-defining moment, that Georgia was either going to take that next step or they were going to step backwards. If they were ready to join those elite and uh, over the next few years or they were going to begin to decline backwards, and I felt like they were going to take a step forward, but I had no idea it was going to look this good with Jeremy Pruitt. And, and if I'm a recruit and they had guys like Josh Sweat uh, you know, you put him and Trenton Thompson together, you got two guys that have set at number one on top of boards total overall. Yeah. And uh, definitely on the top. I mean, you can get those kind of guys together on top of what, I mean, they've already got an amazing class coming in and a great class from last year. And with what Pruitt can do coaching these guys up, if I'm a defensive player, I'm looking there and saying, he just in year one shut down the, I, I believe, the greatest offensive mind in college football right now. And he shut them down in his first year. I mean, that has to go a long way with recruits. Oh yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what, I I love, I really love, you know, you know, Coach Pruitt and Coach Rick is in particular have really taken a lot of heat, you know, for this year for not being able to win the big game, not when it be not not being able to win games that they maybe weren't supposed to win, or or beating teams that were ranked higher. And then you see these Auburn people that are like, man, I'll be glad when Coach Rick is gone because he has owned our ass yeah. since 2005. <laughs> I love that post. And, you know, except for you had a fourth and 18 Hail Mary last yeah. year, and then you had, uh, you know, a $180,000 briefcase by uh, Cam Newton. For those two, <laughs> except for those two years, Coach Rick has owned Auburn. I can tell you this, buddy. Auburn has had about all of the Coach Rick and Jeremy Pruitt they can stand right now. Yeah, and it was a program-defining game, no doubt about it. It was a huge, huge win, top to bottom, win for the ages. The game was good, and the larger meaning of the game was also a big deal for the Bulldogs last night. Absolutely. And now let's flip over to the offense. Let me start. I know where we're going to get to in the running game. But let me start with Hudson Mason because this is a guy after the Tennessee game. I, I went on I went on my show and, and I had to over the weekend I thought to myself, 
have I bought fool's gold because I really thought Hudson Mason was going to be a good quarterback. Not great. I never thought he was going to be a world beater or you know nothing like that. But I thought he was going to be a very good quarterback. Then I watched the Tennessee game, and I've got to be honest with you there. After watching that game, I felt like I bought some fool's gold and some oceanfront property in Arizona or something because he looked like he couldn't throw a 10-yard pass. I mean, that is one of the worst, by far the worst-looking quarterback I had seen under uh, Mark Rick, and he's had some very good ones, but, I mean, that would look terrible. I mean, it was just no terrible. Doubt. And, and now to see where he's came, and I had talked to some guys. I went back and watched some film, and I looked at him, and, and I watched him, and he seemed to have a hesitation in his throw, big-time hesitation. Now, he hesitates to throw it down the field because he doesn't want to throw an interception, take sacks sometimes, maybe he should take, risk sometimes he should take. He does. I get that. But he goes, and I'm watching him, and there's just it's, he doesn't have no strength behind it because he doesn't have no confidence. And this guy's confidence, maybe the best thing that could have ever happened to him was Todd Gurley getting suspended because this guy believes in himself. And last night, his stats don't look great, but but Isaiah McKenzie and a few others dropped passes they should have caught. Chris Conley dropped some passes. Not maybe, you know, they were tough catches, but those are catches he usually does make. And uh, But almost, I mean, Mason almost played, outside of a couple passes, almost played a perfect game last night. No doubt. And, you know, like you said, there's a big difference, it seems like, just in the past few weeks in his attitude. He went from being the guy who was really tentative and really didn't want to put the ball downfield to a guy that is jamming it in there. And not just not just is he throwing with more authority, he's expecting more out of his receivers. You look, he he's not looking at himself as the problem. Now he looks, I think he, you can tell in his body language, he's like, you get there and I'm going to get the ball there. And he's expecting his receivers to step up. And now he's putting a little more pressure on the receivers rather than apologizing to the receivers for not being you know, good enough to get the ball there. It's a completely different mindset for Hudson Mason right now. He's throwing the ball and expecting it to be caught. And he's being kind of pissed when it's not caught, you know, instead of thinking, oh, my bad. He's, he's not yeah. he's not in that my bad mode anymore. Now he now he's 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 playing ball now. Absolutely. Once again, we're talking to Derek Leonard, the doll cast. OK, we got to get to the primetime show. And that was Nick Chubb and Todd Gurley. And man, those two together, what a combination they were. I mean, you look and, and of course, you know, there there were there were, you know, Times that, that Chubb actually looked a lot better than Gurley, but what do you expect after a four-game absence? But uh, this offense, running the football, I mean, they absolutely looked outstanding. Oh, man. I'm telling you, we knew. And, you know, this is against an Auburn defense that's pretty good against the run. you got to think about it. These guys are like, they're, what, third or fourth in the SEC against the run? Yeah. These yeah. guys were touted as, you know, this is the one thing they can do well. And, man, we we abused them. I mean, you know, Gurley had 138 yards rushing against them, and Nick Chubb was just ripping off 11, 14, 18, 12, just play after play after play. And this was in the first half. It, yeah. it, it got abusive <laughs> in the second half. I mean, Chubb was hitting those guys. <laughs> I watched the replay last night, man, or actually watched it this morning, and, uh, you know, 
man, when he hit that kid on that run where he stepped out of bounds, I really, really wish he hadn't stepped out of bounds. That, that yeah. would have been the touchdown run of the year. He hit that kid, and, uh, you know, the announcer said, somebody's get a license plate off of that guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, it yeah. was brutal what he was doing to people last night. It's a fantastic yeah. game for the running back and a great game for the offensive line. Again, the five starters still together, been together since week one. How about Andrews at center, man? Yeah, yeah. How about this kid? Absolutely. Fantastic with the offensive line. Me and you had talked about it going into the season, and we talked about injuries. And one thing was about this Georgia offensive line is that every single year it seemed like it was a constant different lineup every single game, whether it be because of injury or poor play. Every week it seemed like they were having to change this lineup. And, and a lot of the reasons that they could never find any any rhythm together this line, I, I mean, I tip my hat to Will Friend because I've doubted him and doubted him and doubted him, and I've got to give him credit. He's done a fantastic job, and I think health has helped a lot, uh, these guys being healthy because, uh, you know, getting that those reps together. But this offensive line looks worlds different from last year. No doubt. And no doubt. And you talked about the fact that Chubb looked better. You know, like you said, it's not just the four-game suspension of Gurley that, you know, took him a little bit off of the game shape deal. But, you know, Chubb has really established a rhythm with these guys. They know what to expect out of him. They're really blocking for Chubb now. You know I mean? We, they've entirely yeah, changed gears. Yeah. They've geared for a different kind of style. And I tell you, man, Chubb passing the 1,000-yard mark, he passed 1,000 yards as a true freshman with only four stars, yeah. Peter. That's amazing, man. Now, yeah. Not even Gurley, not even Herschel Walker can claim that a thousand yards only only in four starts it's crazy yeah. yeah it really has been amazing run for chubb and I, and i remember coming out of high school uh, if you go back and watch this film and i'm looking there and still asking myself how were their recruiting services rivals and scout both i know that rated this guy a four star i mean he was doing i know it was a small school but you can't do the things this guy was doing on film and not be good I, and i'm going to tell you all right, we know now, unfortunately, the Todd Gurley injury. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in just a moment. But, but listen, if they can get Sony Michelle back healthy. I think and, he'll be back next week, by the way. Yeah, and if, if he can come back healthy and stay healthy. And, and it's always a concern with the freshman at any, any position. But the guys had a couple, I think they're kind of freak deals. But, you know, if he can stay healthy, this running game is still going to be unstoppable. To me, with them two, they've still got the best backfield in the country. I totally agree. I mean, you look at Chubb put up 144 yards last night, had two touchdowns, only touched the ball 19 times, you know. Gurley was clearly the starter last night, and Chubb is still able to produce. And like you said, Sonny Michelle, you know, I know Chubb's the man. Don't get me wrong. Chubb is the man. But Sonny Michelle is pretty good. I mean, he is really, really good. And is a definite, uh, definitely serviceable as a as a compliment to to Nick Chubb. Absolutely. And now, uh, unfortunately, you know the Todd Gurley era is probably over at Georgia. Uh, maybe he comes back. I, I highly doubt it, but maybe he comes back and plays. But let's just assume that he's not. I mean, I, I really kind of feel robbed. I kind of feel like I did with AJ Green that injuries and the suspension kind of made it where we never got to see the true greatness that they could have been. But it sure was a privilege to watch him the last three years. No doubt about it. I mean, Todd Gurley's number two now, officially number two, second only to the great hand over your heart, 
Herschel Walker. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Todd Gurley deserves that. He deserves to be number two behind Herschel Walker. And uh, I agree with you. You know, the kid never had what he deserved. I mean, he really did deserve to play 12 games this year with a top 10 team, play in the SEC championship, win the Heisman. He earned it. I mean, he really did. But, you know, a couple of mistakes. I mean, he made some personal you know, he made some personal yeah. decisions that yeah. cost him. And now the injuries, you know, injury last year, injury this year, it is, it really is a shame that as great as Gurley is and as fondly as he's going to be remembered, we're never going to get to see how great he really could have been. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a shame. Yeah. And, and like I said, I, I, I really believe and I think where he's at is really even in the few games that he played. And maybe I'm just too young. I don't know. I'd like for somebody to claim I'm too young anymore. But, but I, I really feel like he, he is the second best one I've seen to ever come through Georgia uh, at the running back position. And there's been some great ones, but he's definitely in the conversation. No doubt about it, man. No doubt about it. One of the greats. And uh, I'm really glad that he's uh, – I'm really glad that we got to see him for the time that we did get to see him. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Now let's go to Keith Marshall because, you know, depth has definitely depleted a little bit. I, I mean, I'm still of the mindset that um, unless somebody goes down and you're in the final four, that you go ahead and redshirt him, get a medical redshirt on him this year. I believe he's under that, that he only played in three games, so he got hurt that third game, so he'd be eligible for one. Uh, you know, are, are you of that same mindset to just put him on the shelf the next year? Or, or I think so. I mean, definitely if, if he's up for it. You know, I mean, that does have an impact on recruiting going down the road. And, you know, I mean, it really, you got to really take a measure of his heart, you know, and take yeah. a measure. I mean, you know, you look back, we talk about the, the Trenton Sturdivant thing, you know what I mean? He's yeah, kind of the yeah. gold standard for a kid working, getting injured, working, getting injured. At some point, um, you know, you got to continue to measure the kid's heart. I, I don't question his heart at all. You know, I mean, I, yeah. you know, I haven't seen anything out of him. But at the same time, I just know how I am personally. Holy crap! I mean, at some point, you're like, man, you know, I mean, you just get tired of of working, and because you know, practice and workouts—that's really not the fun part. You know, playing yeah, the games—that's exactly. the fun part. And so, just continue to have your head down and practice and work and practice and work with none of that payoff. It really stinks, you know, and I mean, I don't think anybody could be, uh, I don't think anybody could blame him if he kind of yeah. runs out of gas on that, but I hope so. I hope he goes for the medical red shirt, and I hope that he uh, comes back and is stronger and better than ever, and he can give us the kind of season that we expect, a full season out of him, you know? Absolutely, and and like I said, you know, even, I, I, you really got to feel bad for the guy because, A, you know, this is the number one running back in the country coming out of high school uh, by the ranking services. Comes in and has a, you know, just a fantastic freshman year. And a guy that has done everything right on and off the field. I mean, just, he, he's done it the right way. Been a tremendous ambassador for the university. I mean, it, it just breaks your heart. It's those kind of guys that get hurt. And it's Jameis Winston, that, that the kind of guys like that that just keep keep getting all the luck. You're exactly right, dude. I'm telling you what, it's the kind of thing that just makes you... You know, you just don't understand it sometimes. You know, you really, really don't understand it. But um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say. I, I do believe I, I believe in doing things the right way. And I, I got to hope if we just keep doing things the right way, things are going to break for us, you know. And, you know, it's a good point. I, I want to bring up something else, man. I was, I was thinking about this last night. You think about teams, you know, I've been this little thing about um, – 
I was thinking about Auburn, you know, and how, you know, yeah. Auburn hasn't always been a team of bad guys. You know what I mean? Yeah, they really yeah. haven't. I used to not have a lot of ill will <laughs> towards Auburn. I haven't always yeah. hated Auburn, you know. Yeah. But I think that the pressure that they took from Alabama, I have a whole little well-formed idea about this. Yeah. But I think starting when they fired Tuberville and brought in Gene Chizik, I think Auburn was just so envious of Alabama that they made a conscious decision at every level, from the fan yeah. to the AD, to sell their soul to win. <laughs> yeah. I, I really think they did. And, you know, you have guys like Cam Newton and guys like uh, Nick Fairley and guys like Gene Chizik and guys that yeah. are just, you know, and now you got guys like Nick Marshall. Can you tell me honestly that you think Nick Marshall is a real college student? I mean, are you kidding me, <laughs> man? Yeah. So you got Nick Marshall and Trey Matthews, and they're like, come one, come all. We do not care. Look at the Bruce Pearl thing. They yeah. just decided to sell their soul, man. Yeah. And, yeah, they won a national championship. You're right. And, you know, that's awesome. And I know a lot of guys are like, we don't care. We don't care that Mark Richt is good. I had this argument with Old Dog. But yeah. when, you look at, when you look at Auburn, do you really, really – when you when you when you look at guys like Jameis Winston and guys like Nick yeah. Marshall, do you really want to sell your soul for a national championship? Is that is that really what you want to look like? Because yeah. you need to think long and hard, buddy, before you <laughs> before you flip that switch. Because Auburn has has just completely squandered whatever moral compass, whatever moral high ground, whatever heart and soul they had in their program. They are a collection of thugs. They are a collection of, of thugs, man. And it makes it so much more satisfying to win the right way. I mean, yeah. you know, to do things the right way and it pay off against a team like Auburn. Yeah, absolutely. And you make a great point and you know, and I, I'm not sure that that theory doesn't apply to the whole West because you look at the whole well, not, not the whole West, but you look at LSU you look at, you know, listen, LSU's been doing the same thing, whether it be Zach Mettenberger, you know, um, oh, what's the, uh, the guy that got kicked off this year for choking his girlfriend from Georgia? Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. The, uh, what's his, uh, the guy who was also a bad check writer. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I can't even remember. Checkgate. I can't yeah, remember but, his name, you know. <laughs> but, um, Les, but Les Miles, first in line to recruit him, you know, yeah. um, to, to try yeah. to get him back. I, I mean, it's just, it's amazing to me. That uh, these guys, and you're right, when, when Alabama started doing as well as they did, and uh, I, I think a lot of these teams said, we're going to do whatever we got to do as well. We're going to do whatever we have to do to be competitive, and I get that, and I get that feeling, but man, I'm just, when I look at it, I just, I'm not sure that I want to, I want to go there. I really yeah. am not. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, hey, let's, let's get this to close out. Appreciate so much you take some time with us. Two games left in the regular season. Of course, all Georgia Bulldog fans are now uh, are, are now fans of anybody that's playing Missouri. And uh, I, I definitely think Missouri's going to lose one game. they got a good chance to lose next week. But Arkansas is a really bad matchup for Missouri because Missouri really, their, their thing is peeling back those ends and going after the passing game uh, with a, that great defensive line. I, I really think Arkansas will wear them down. And their defense of Arkansas outside of the Georgia game, has been pretty fantastic this year. But let's just, let's just go ahead and assume that, uh, that, that Missouri loses, Georgia is in. Who do you want to face over out of the West? Are you there? 
Yeah, let's talk about the team I don't want to face. I'll tell you this, um, and this might surprise you, but I'll tell you, the team that I would probably least like to play out of the West is Ole Miss. Yeah, I agree. I would rather play Alabama or LSU or Mississippi State. I'd play any of those other teams over Ole Miss just because I think Bo Wallace on a good Bo Wallace night, I think could be dangerous for us, you know? And uh, so, yeah. I, I tell you, I wouldn't mind playing. I, I would like to see a team. I wouldn't mind playing uh, Mississippi State. If yeah. Mississippi State can get there, Mississippi State is really similar. They're built really similar in a lot of different ways to Auburn. And I believe that's a favorable matchup for us now. Um, so, yeah, I kind of like, I kind of like, uh, I'd like to, I'd like to play Mississippi State, and I would not like to play Hugh Freeze and Ole Miss. Yeah, I agree with you there because, uh, you know, I know, listen, they, They've had a couple bad games right there. Should have beat should have beat Auburn at the goal line, the fumble uh, for Auburn to to win that game, and then of course uh, the the other game. But here's the thing about here's the thing about Ole Miss. That defense is is legit. I, I mean there there are weaknesses on every defense I've seen this year outside of that Ole Miss defense. They, I mean you look at how many teams they've shut down outside of that Alabama game. I think that starting team has only gave up four or five touchdowns all season long. I mean, just a fantastic defense. That would probably be the last one. But I'll say this. I, I kind of like Georgia's matchups if they're playing well and if Sony Michelle comes back healthy. I kind of like Georgia's matchups against anybody because <laughs> I, I, I think they can run the football against anybody out there. And if more time with Pruitt and on, on, a, uh, on a neutral field, I, I think Georgia can play with any of them. Ask me how bad I want as much as I think, you know, you know how the how the, the things work in the big scheme of things, and you know how you know everybody's kind of getting excited about Ohio State. You know, yeah. they're like the trendy, cool pick right now. Yeah. And you got Florida State up there, and everybody loves TCU. I think Florida State, TCU, and Ohio State, all of them are shams. Ask yeah. me how bad I want to win the SEC, go to the playoff, and draw, and make it to play. Ohio State for a national championship. Just ask me how hey, bad Derek, I want I gotta, to play Urban Meyer in Ohio State for a national championship. That would be the most. I, I would be. I'd be beside myself with joy <laughs> at that opportunity, my Derek, man. Derek, I got a question for you. How excited would you be <laughs> if Georgia was to win the SEC, make it to the Final Four, and in the national championship game, square off against Urban Meyer in Ohio State? <laughs> Man, I can't even describe <laughs> how excited I would be, Peter. I think that would be the great matchup. That would that would be the that would be the last step before we reach the promised land. Since <laughs> that, that was where that'd be where we want to be, baby. Ever since the Irish and the Sugar Bowl, I think we would get back to where we've been trying to get back to now for quite a while, buddy. We've been working on it for thirty years and uh, thirty five years now, and I think. Man, that would be just the perfect setup. A little urban crier and the big bad Big Ten Ohio State Buckeyes, man. What could be better? <laughs> Absolutely. Once again, we're talking to Derek Leonard from the Dollcast. Derek, uh, so many, so many great things y'all been doing over the Dollcast for so many great years. 
if there's actually a human out there that hasn't been to the Dogcast yet, how can they follow you guys on Twitter get to the website? Well, we're at Dogcast.com, where we've always been. We're on Stitcher and iTunes, and we're all over the web. If you just type in Dogcast into Google, you're going to find us. We're on Twitter, at Dogcast, D-A-W-G, the only way to spell dog, at Dogcast <laughs> on Twitter. We'd love to have you guys follow us. Check out the show at the website. Absolutely, and and this is just one half of their team. The other is Old Dog, and imagine the grouchiest guy you've ever met, and uh, you've probably got him, but he makes uh, he makes for a fantastic radio show uh, combined with Derek. Derek, we appreciate so much you joining us. Can't wait to have you on again soon. Thanks a lot, Peter.